Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Again, I'm thankful to be here to be given the opportunity to speak to you today. Um, I appreciate the trust that pastor has given to me. Um, I want to pray first. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you today for your uh, presence in this place. Because you say that wherever two or three of us are gathered, there you are in the midst of us. So I pray that the message that you give me today will go out and plant a seed in somebody's heart and awaken the spirit in them and they might uh, benefit from this. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I got my serve back. The last sermon I preached was Don't Lose Your Serve. I got my serve back in spades. It came roaring back. And I really feel good about it. Uh, I'd gotten a little lazy. I'd gotten a little tired. I got a little feeling a little old. And, and God said, you are not that. You are not those things. This is what I purposed you to be in life is to serve. So I'm grateful to the Lord that he didn't leave me on the curb I was sitting on, but he picked me up, turned me around, and gave me, renewed my purpose. So I'm appreciative. Um, Today, um, uh, continues with the Chronicles of Vern, and, uh, and (laughs) but, you know, I am unique to God. In his eye, I am unique, but... The things that I go through as a Christian, as trudging along this path, are not unique. At some point, all of us in our Christian lives and our Christian walks deal with the same things. Unfortunately, many of us just don't talk about it. Because we're kind of ashamed of it. But you can't be ashamed of the walk you're on. Because it was purposed by God. Don't get discouraged about the walk you're on. Because God designed your walk specifically for you. Because he cares for you and he knows exactly what you need. You know, he's laid out a path for you to follow. So you're never really on the wrong path. You're just facing some obstacles to overcome that on that path to allow you to grow and to mature into fully what God has called you to be. Each and every one of you. Don't ever look at a pastor, a preacher, a priest... Or anybody like like they're above you. They're just more trained at this point. They've walked on that path a little longer. God has given them some wisdom to help them move along so they can look back and say, hey, come on. It's not that hard. They put us up here to explain things that maybe you don't understand. You know, just like going to school. You graduate to the next level. You mature to the next level. As we go through this life, we continue to mature But there are some obstacles that we will face. And today I'm going to talk about uh, the book of Daniel. Because 
under some really unique and treacherous circumstances, we get to see how the culture tries to change us and has. See, now that I'm 58, I can refer to the good old days. If you're 50 and over, you got you remember the good old days. Phone booths, waiting to dial, you know. I remember when we got our first color TV. I think it was 1979, 78. I remember clickers. So we've always had this Christian culture over secular culture. We lost. We lost the culture war. We have to admit it. We used to have the advantage. You know, like when we used to go play basketball or something like that. When you went to that other team's place, you were the visiting team. And man, their band was up playing hard and their their rally squad was jumping and they had a, a rally before the game. Everybody wore their jerseys. You know, they were getting ready for the visitors to come so they could pound them. Right? We used to have home field advantage. Remember? Remember Sunday when there were no sports allowed in the school system at all? Matter of fact, you could go to downtown Portland on a Sunday and most of the stores would be closed. See, Christians were, even if you weren't a Christian, you tended to respect them. You respected the ethic. You respected the idea. You understood that these folks were living a life that they tried to live a life that was kind and considerate and thoughtful. And there were things you did, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't go out with girls that do, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, where there was an appropriateness about what you did and how you behaved and where you went and how you dressed. I remember having those shoes that I could only wear on Sunday, you know. I, I remember these things, and, and they were kind of restrictive, you know, I, I remember being 23 years old. I've been in the Army for a few years, and I came home, and uh, me and my dad were hanging out, and I, we went to a McDonald's on Jansen Beach. I remember it distinctly. I, and I, we're sitting there talking, and yada, 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 and I dropped an F-bomb in front of my dad. And I'm 23 years old. I'm a soldier. I was mortified that that slipped out of my mouth. And I was just, I'm a grown man. Well, I'm a man. Not grown, but I was a man, and it was just like, but I knew the standard that my dad had. I knew the character that he expected from me, and that's something he didn't expect from me. And throughout my time in that, that, that army, I, I lost my Christian culture, you see, because I, I was overwhelmed because the secular culture was running that place. So... We've lost the culture where we don't have home field advantage anymore. Um, there's an attack on Christianity. Um, prayer in the schools is gone. The Ten Commandments above the judge's chamber is gone. You know, they're deleting us out of the public sphere. The lack of respect for Christianity in general is being diminished day by day. You know, how, how long did, were we unable to worship? How long were we unable to be in this house? Uh, Next slide. 
So the culture seeks to relocate you, to isolate you, to feed you secular things. That's how we get slowly indoctrinated into the culture. Well, in Daniel, as usual, the Jews are messing up, making God mad, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I think 605 B.C., Jehoiakim was king, and finally God's like, okay, I've had enough. Brought the Babylonians in, and Israel got conquered, yada, yada, yada. Same story throughout the Bible with the Israelites. So, um, so the Babylonian king, pretty smart guy, says, you know what? I want you to go out and get me the best of the best of the young people in Israel, those of noble blood. See, I'm not putting a lot of verses up there because I really want you guys to read the book of Daniel, you know, especially if you got a real Bible. Or you can get your hands to feel in that paper. You know, you hear what I'm saying? So I'm electronic too, but I I still got my real Bible that I read. Um, Because it's nostalgic to me, because it harkens back to the good old days. You know what I'm saying? So these young men, Daniel and three other young men, put the next slide up. So we got... Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I believe God highlighted these young men in the book of Daniel because he's going to show us something about being dedicated to God. Obviously, they came from a good family because their names, God is my judge. And Daniel, Hananiah, graciously given by Yahweh, God. Mishael, God-like. And Azariah, helped by God. So, they had godly Jewish parents, right? They were from good stock. They were part of the nobility. Probably a part of the, uh, um, the religious nobility in Jerusalem. So these young men had a great start. And they were cultured by their parents to know God and to know that God was a part of them because God was a part of their names. Names mean something. Right? Like, you don't want to name your kid Ichabod. (laughs) So, but when they came into this culture, the first thing they did was they changed their names to Babylonian gods' names. Belteshazzar, Bel, protect his life. Be Lord was one of their main gods. Shadrach, at the command of Aku, the moon god. Meshach, who is like the god Aku. Abednego, slave of the god Nebo. So, if these young men had a bought into the culture, see, if they had a bought into that culture, their names would have changed in their hearts. But they decided, Daniel, number one, first, decided something in his heart. No one knows the decisions that you make in your heart but God. 
I can say anything out of this blabber hole I got up here in the middle of my face. But what I say in my heart to the Lord, the Lord hears and acknowledges those things. So I don't want this to be a bashing of what's currently going on. I'm not going to take sides. I'm going to take God's side and what he says and what he does when we make a decision. And next slide. This is the question. Have you drawn a line in the sand? And if you come on across that line, you got problems with me. Have you drawn a line in the sand in your heart? It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the Enoch's that he might not defile himself. There's a lot packed in right there in that verse. Right, because Daniel made a decision. See, we have decisions to make every day because some of us work in secular jobs. We're in a secular world. We really are. And so we still have to be here. Like, he was in the employ of the king, so he had to take that name, but in his heart he knew his name. Right? He had to work for the king, but he didn't necessarily have to Worship the king. You see, because the food that they drank wasn't just ate, wasn't just food. This food had been a part of a celebration of their gods. This food was put before their gods. He didn't want to defile his spirit in these parties that they had, these lavish parties. Because the gods of the Babylonians, they let you do whatever you wanted to do. That's enticing, isn't it? Because the God, our God, he's got some rules for you. And he's got rules for you because he knows what hurts you and what helps you. You know, and I think anybody can testify. See, I'm hard-headed and dumb enough that I tested God. And he proved to be right. Because <laughs> when I ran over over here to the worldly gods... I had some pain involved in that. The bill came due. I had to pay a price. But I noticed when I'm following my God and serving my God, things go well with me. What did he tell Cain? If you do right, things will go well with you. He didn't say perfect. He said they'll go well, though, because you'll know in your heart that's where you find that peace with God. So Daniel had determined this, and once Daniel determined in his heart that he would not defile himself, and for those getting baptized today, there's a difference between honoring God with your lips and serving God with your heart. And we're all trying to approach that. And we all know, all of us know, more than anyone else in our minds and in our hearts where God speaks to us, where we're at and what we're doing and where we're going. Yeah, I'm sure you're the same as me. I'm my own worst critic. You know? 
So we know these things that God is saying to us. We know the compromises that we make, are making, have made. And we know when we're doing pretty good, but we don't give ourselves much credit for that. You know, most of the time we're just punching each other, punching ourselves in the face. (laughs) But God doesn't want you to be doing that. Because when you determine in your heart to follow him, when you determine in your heart, when the depth of your heart and you say, God, I'm going to do this for you because I want to serve you. In the next verse, it says, and Daniel found favor in the eyes of the guy that was watching over him. So this man found favor with Daniel because the spirit of God gives us favor. The Spirit of God opens doors and opportunities for us. See, when we're fearful, the Spirit of God goes out before us and paves the way. Right? Even when you're in great fear, God still comes upon you and He is working for you, ahead of you, recklessly moving you forward to mature in a place where you can emotionally have peace with God. And you can understand and share in the love that he has for you and that gives you an opportunity to have love for other people because you're not worried i know god loves me i don't know about y'all but he loves me you know what i'm saying that's how i feel i mean because it allows me to love other people i'm not shorted i don't have a deficit of god's love in my heart you know i have an overflowing love in my heart that's why i love to serve the lord because he lets me serve him and i don't have to Worry, oh, well, is that good enough? Did I serve well? No, you do what you do. There's a wonderful saint in our congregation today. I won't say a name or anything like that, but I'll just say God put something on this servant's heart to do. And they did it. And they apologized to me. And I said, don't ever apologize for what God's put on your heart to do. Just be satisfied that you did what God asked you to do. And be grateful that he used you to touch somebody else with his love. That makes sense? Y'all are so quiet. You got to get me riled up. Am I preaching today? You know, God is so good. He's so good to me. Man. Next slide. So there's a couple things that happen in this whole scenario. And Daniel's outlasted like three kings. This is early on. And with Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar was, he's king of the world. They got to have a pretty big ego, you know, be king of the world. So Nebuchadnezzar had set up this image. What's big time today in our culture? Image. YouTube, everybody wants to be an influencer. Somehow, some way. Hollywood, image. The media, I got a shirt that says the media is a virus. Um but it, it serves us up how we should look, how we should talk, how we should do anything. You know, that's the culture. See, we only had four or five channels in the good old days. And, and after, what, 1130, it was off. You got that big, you know, watch a few Tom Peterson commercials, and then it was gone. Right? Wake up! Wake up! <laughs> <laughs> and Gloria, too. Uh, that's that's because he filed bankruptcy and he needed a new partner to put the name on. But, um, but 
he set up an image. Nebuchadnezzar set up this giant golden image of himself and decided, you know what? You need to worship me. And it was interesting because the only reason why this came about, because Daniel was so good. He was so good. He was so good at his job. He was so good at handling people that the king was like, man, you know what? Actually, a new king came on. It was Darius. And Darius decided, man, I'm going to set up 100 people over them, and then I'm going to set three people up over them, and Daniel's going to be the main man. This guy's a Jew. But he distinguished himself because people see how you serve. And generally, you're always going to have some haters, right? Haters abound. They hate us because they ain't us. So these haters got together and said, man, we can't find nothing wrong with this guy. What are we going to do? And they're like, hey, you know what? The only way we can get him is with his religion. The only way we can get him is with his Christianity. We're going to watch him break now because we're going to set the king on him. So the king, they're all massaging his head. Oh, king, you should put put out a law that over the next 30 days, you can't worship anybody but your image. King's like, yeah, man, I like that. Shoot, let's do that. I like that. That's a good idea because I am godlike. And you guys should read Daniel because it talks about what God did to all these cats. And it's beautiful. See, we don't, worry about, we don't have to worry about retaliation. We don't have to worry about getting back at somebody. God takes care of his business, and he takes care of his people. You feel me? He takes care of his people, and he takes care of his business. You know, we don't have to walk around being mad that somebody treated us bad. I tell cats, I'm going to pray for your funky soul. I'm, a, I'm, I'm sick Jesus on you. You got big problems coming now, partner. <laughs> so he had set up this image, you know, and... You know, Daniel's doing Daniel. Every day, Daniel did Daniel. Daniel's an old man now. You know, he's an old man. He's no youngster. But Daniel goes up into his room, opens his curtain, and he prays. And them little haters go running back to the king. Hey, king, you know that dude Daniel? He's over here praying to his God again. You know, it's against the law. We wrote this. King's like, dang. Well, we're going to have to throw you in the lion's den, Daniel. I don't want to, but it's a law. What can we do? And I'm sure Daniel's like, whatever. I've been around you people too long, and God has just saved me out of everything y'all try to throw at me. See, because he determined in his heart. That God was more important than anything. Far more important than getting fired from a job. You know, far more important than his ego and his pride. Far more important than that good food he was getting. He determined in his heart. Right? Guard your heart, for from it springs the matters of life. You know. Guard your heart. Guard your decisions your heart makes. And if we look at 
what's going on here, you see that in these verses in chapter 3, these images were set up. I'm mixing my story, so I'm going to go back to Daniel. Daniel got thrown in the lion's den, and what happened? Anybody remember what happened? God closed the lion's mouth. Daniel laid down on one of them because they're real soft. That fur is real soft. And they, they hung out and slept for a while. And the king couldn't sleep because he loved Daniel. He knew Daniel. It's early in the morning. The king goes rushing in there. He's like, Daniel. He yelled for him. He didn't look. He called to him because he already knew. He experienced Daniel's God. But his culture wouldn't allow him to cross over, you see, because he was so full of his culture that, uh, you know, but he knew there was something real special about Daniel. He just wanted to use Daniel because Daniel had God's favor. See, people at your job, friends of yours, people that you know, when they can see that you have favor, they want to touch you. They want to be around you. They want to drain some of that favor off of you. Because they're like, man, this cat's got it. Well, you know why he's got it? Because he determined in his heart, what? That he would serve God. See, and then God honored him. Sometimes we want to get honored before we get the favor. We want the favor before we give honor to God. See what I'm saying? So we need to check our hearts and see where God sits. Is his throne right there in the middle? Or is our throne right there in the middle? And it's tough. I don't speak about these things lightly because they're not easy. Because some of us were a little broken from birth. Some things happened to us as a young age that kind of blurred the line and disconnected us a little bit. So we feel broken we feel handicapped, you know, that, that maybe something was wrong with us. There ain't nothing wrong with you. There's a lot wrong with the world, but there ain't nothing wrong with you because you are a creation of the Almighty God. You were not a mistake. You were not something that should not have been because my God does not make mistakes. He lined my life out perfectly to let me know right now today that I am a miracle. It is a miracle for me to be standing right here, right now, speaking the word of God to you. Because if you want to call me sometimes, I can tell you some things. I can tell you some things. But I've embraced those things, the good things and the terrible things, to have me be right here, right now, speaking the word of God to you. Okay? I'm a miracle. My wife, she's a miracle. She's my miracle. Carl, Lisa, they're miracles, okay? Stop playing. If, let somebody know you. Let somebody know the miracle that God has created in your life to get you where you are right now, right here, right today, in the house of God, worshiping him. Talking about real Christians, you know? Serve the Lord. Reject the culture. See what happens to your life. You know what I'm saying? We're miracles. Don't look back on your life and think, man, that shouldn't have happened to me. That was wrong. 
The things that happen to you grow you, push you forward, and make you all that God has called you to be. Okay? There ain't no mistakes in God's house. You know? Bad things happen to everybody. That don't mean God don't love you. That means he's got something for you to do. Because if I don't go through the hard things, I don't know how to love the easy things. You know? Life ain't easy. I'm mentoring a young man right now. And I praise God for him. Because he's getting it. Life ain't hard, man. Get to work. Embrace the suck. Grind. You know? You think you can look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and never lift a weight? Come on now. Shoot. Stop playing. This is real life. It's real life. I keep it 100 up here. You know? Because we go through some tough things. But God is good. God is good. So Daniel's like, yeah, I'm good. But you already knew that. And the king was like, yeah, I knew that, Daniel, because I know the God you serve. And if you read in Daniel, you'll see what the king says after that. You'll see why the Jews survived in Babylon. All through captivities, whether it was Egypt, Babylon, whatever, God always had a Jew in charge somewhere. Joseph, remember him? God always had a protector in place so he could show himself to all these pagans. You can be that. When things are going crazy and life is taking a dump on you, you can look up smile. God's got this. Oh, man, something good is about to happen because God has got this. The worse it is, the better you can say, you know what? Man, something good about to happen because something bad just happened. But something good going to happen over here because God's got it, not you. So if you're going through a hard time, just know something. Stay strong. Stay diligent. Keep your heart up because you know what? God's got something for you. He's going to change this around. Just stay strong. Nothing's worse than giving up and you got one step to go. You feel me? I told my, my nephew, I said, he was just, oh, one day he just, oh, Uncle Vern, Uncle V, I just, man. I said, hey, you can give up, bro. You can give up, man. Hey, it's easy to give up. But you know what? Your soul is going to torment you for the rest of your life. Because you are never going to know the miracle that God could have created through you for your children, who you are trying to get back with. Because God gave me a miracle of adoption. I got adopted into a family that changed my life, changed my character. I always, I always give honor to my father, my adoptive father, because he is by far and away the most high-character human being I have ever met in my life consistently. And God knew that I needed a high-character person in my life to show me how to serve the Lord. You feel me? I ain't sweating yet, bro. It's beautifully cool in here. I don't even want to go outside. So the king threw all them uh, haters in with the lions. Lions were super hungry by then, ate them before they hit the ground. Hallelujah. End of story. Next slide. 
So the next story is with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego, yeah, yeah. Sunday school, you know. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cut from the same cloth as Daniel. And so that was the image of gold story. And they wouldn't bow down. We're going to throw you in the fire. I don't care. We ain't bowing to you. We'll work for you. We'll collect a paycheck from you. But we ain't going to, you know, worship you. I mean, why would I worship something that some man made? Does that make sense? What are we worshiping? Thank you. Well, things. Things. Don't let your things overwhelm you. Don't let your things trap you. I was talking to my buddy, you know, and he was talking about buying buying a car. And he's 60, over 60. And I said, well, the way I see things now is I'm not giving away time. I'm giving away money. No, I'm not giving away money. I'm giving away time. See, because as we get older, see, I might have to work a little more than I want to work. I might have to work a little harder than I want to work. Instead of five days a week, I might have to start working six or seven days a week to pay off that debt that I have as as the window starts to close. You know, as I get less, I got to have a hip replacement surgery soon. I'm in a lot of pain most days because I walk a lot on my job. And I realize that I'm slowing down. So when I'm selling cars, I'm more efficient when I meet somebody because I can't work with as many people as I used to. I was nonstop. I could work 30 days straight. My wife, after we was married about a year, she looked at me like I was crazy. Like, dude, you're the hardest working cat I've ever seen. You know, slow down, chill out. So I've changed. So you got to know what you're exchanging for a worldly promise. You know, you got to know what the value of that is to you, to your heart. You know, what's the value? What's the true value of the stuff that we can get trapped into? You know, and it puts another weight on us. You know, be free. Be free. Um, Was it Isaiah? In Isaiah it says, you know, God will be with us in the fire. And when they threw them boys, matter of fact, the king was so mad at them. In chapter 3, he's so mad at them that he made the fire hotter. Like the guys that threw them in the fire burn up. It was so hot. He chucks them in the fire, ties them up, throws them in the fire. That's what the culture will do to you. It'll tie you up, get you all up in knots, telling you you got to have this, you got to have that, you got to act this way, look this way, walk this way, wear this thing. The culture will tell you that. Next thing you know, you're in the fire. Oh, my goodness. I'm tied up financially. I can't move left or right. Oh, my goodness. Who's going to save me? The God of the fire. (laughs) The God of the fire will save you. 
You feel me? So he chucked him in there, and the king's like, hey, what's going on in there? He's looking in the furnace going, wait a minute. Hey, he asked, hey, uh, didn't we throw uh, three dudes in there? Yes, king. How come I see four dudes in there? What's going on? You know? And he's like, didn't, didn't we tie them cats up? Well, they're, they're praising God, and they look like they're dancing. They're having a party. He's rubbing his eye. Wait a minute. I'm not really seeing that. And that fourth dude, man, he looks different. He looks like one of the sons of God. <laughs> Stop playing. God is in the fire with them. Hanging out, chilling, singing worship. Okay? That's what's going on. The king's like, y'all come out of there. They come out. Ain't even no smoke on them. They smelling all fabrized and fresh and ready to go. But amazing thing that they did say to him before they went in the fire, right? They determined in there. They said, either way, you can throw us in the fire and our God will save us. But even if he does not, when they got that gun in your face, you're going to renounce Jesus? Even in the fire. But you got to determine in your heart, because if you don't determine in your heart before the event happens, guess what? You will fold like a tent, I guarantee you. Because it's not in your heart. Anything you've ever done in life that you decided, I'm going to do this, whether it was school, a new job, getting something, whatever, when you determine in your heart that you're going to do something, most of you accomplish that feat. If you determine you're going to stay together, I ain't leaving, you ain't leaving, we staying together. You stay together. But if you've already determined in your heart that you're leaving, ain't nothing keeping you together. Right? It's so essential that we have determined in our heart whom we will serve, even when it's hard, even when it's threatening your life, even when it's threatening your income. You have to determine in your heart that you're going to serve the Lord. And then guess what happened? All the haters and their family got thrown in the fire. You know what I'm saying? I don't wish that on nobody. But that's God's business, not my business. But that's what secularism gets you, because if you do not behave the way they want you to behave, they will torture you. They will abuse you. You know, ah, oh, that's that do-gooder Christian over there. You know, man, I can't stand that dude. Oh, well, I don't care if you can stand me or not. But you got to draw a line in the sand, people. You got to draw a line in the sand. So my word for you today, especially those of you getting baptized, determine in your heart that you're going to serve the Lord. All right? I love you today. I thank you so much for allowing me to speak to you. You know, and I think today, now we're going to get some worship and some baptizing going on.